Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Welcome to Nevada Real Estate Radio. Glad you tuned into our show today. Peter Padilla here with you, talking about real estate, real estate for investors, primary residents, homeowners, the challenges that homeowners have living in northern Nevada and living in other parts of the country. Sometimes we don't know just how good we have it until we hear about things happening in other parts of the country. We've been fortunate for so many reasons that we still have the good life going in northern Nevada, and hopefully it will be like that beyond and across the entire country. With us in the studio to talk about real estate and the activities that are going on in the country today, I've got two great guests. First of all, my regular guest, Sherry Hill from Sage International, will be joining us to talk about business aspects of real estate. Also joining us today, Washoe County Sheriff Darren Balaam will be joining us. The last time he was with us, I believe he was the candidate for sheriff. We're going to find out how things have gone the very important position of Washoe County Sheriff. We'll also look at the stats from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors and more after this quick message. We're still in business and the sun keeps on shining. SunTech Solar Screening makes your home cooler, more comfortable, and energy efficient. Sliding screen door need a tune-up? Call SunTech. Ask about SunTech pet screens. Life is good with SunTech's fast service and no interest financing. Discounts available upon request. Call 224-5093 for a free estimate. 224-5093 or visit SunTechSolarScreens.com. We're still in business and the sun keeps on shining. SunTech Solar Screens. The best thing you can do for your business, Nevada Real Estate Radio. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. We're back on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Two great guests that I have with me in the studio today. I mean, why wait? Sherry Hill from Sage International, welcome to our program. Thank you, Peter. Always a pleasure to be here. And it's a pleasure to have you, too, as well. We have a great guest joining you and I in the studio as well. Sheriff Darren Balaam is with us. Welcome to the show, Sheriff Balaam. Thank you, Peter, for having me. I look forward to uh, having a conversation today. You know, like I said in the intro, I believe last time you were here, you were the candidate for this position. I was. And so let's see. It's been, a, what, over a year now? year and uh, eight months. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say almost two years. Almost yeah. two years. You it's gone by quick. Yeah, I've always thought it was very neat to hear the, the winning candidates of any office, any political office, any governmental position when they have to run for election because right after the election everything is good and rosy and there's, you know, it's always good news. Waiting a little while to find out how things have going gives us a chance to see what, if, what are some of the accomplishments, what are some of the challenges. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch of stuff today, but I want to give Sherry Hill a chance to talk about her radio show because it's coming up later this week. And Sherry Hill, you're going to have the sheriff on as well. I am. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah, so we're going to get started today. <laughs> and uh, here we go. So I'm in the real estate world, Sheriff Balaam, and I've been talking with oh, some real estate associations in some other areas of the country, in particular Portland and Seattle. I haven't gotten through to Chicago yet. Apparently their offices are closed right now. There's a lot of stuff going on out there that I have to believe is impacting the value of real estate. So my point is this. I think that local safety, community safety, and community relations with the police, with the citizens, is critical to a healthy real estate market. I wanted to emphasize that may be the reason that Reno is still one of the best real estate markets across the country. I would say absolutely. You know, when you, when you talk about this and you talk with Edon 
uh, and they bring in any companies to look to invest in our community, which is going to bring in the workers. Mm -hmm. The first thing when they come to tour they talk about is the environment, the community, the safety, especially if they have kids. Yeah. So they drive around and they see and they ask, what is the crime rate? Um, what are the schools like? That's an indication whether they're going to dump millions, if not billions, into our community which and bring in their workforce. So that is a key thing of that safety of our community, and it's the perception. Yeah. Um, are we, do we have good relationships with our law enforcement in our community? Are we out there being proactive? Uh, do people feel like they can take, especially, again, with kids, and even if they don't, do they, can they go down to the river and enjoy the river and walk and feel safe? Can they take their kids to the park and feel safe? Um, do they feel safe letting them go out in their front yard? So that is a key indicator of the safety of the community. And, you know, as you can see across the nation where communities either don't have that good relationship or that feel of safety or just a safe community, um, their real estate is down. And, you know, Chicago is one of them. You know, they've led the nation uh, over the last couple of years on and off of homicide rates. And right. this year they're exceeding last year's mark so again if you talk to people in those communities in those areas affected they're trying to get out uh, if they can yeah um, because they don't feel safe whether it's just the violence itself or it's the relationship with the law enforcement community been keeping up with a lot of media in print lately we are now monitoring the wall street journal pretty closely it's hard to focus on just one media nationally because media nowadays is so motivated by their own bias that they might have within their staffs. So we look around a lot of things and lately more folks we've had on the Wall Street Journal. And there was a lot of talk recently in their publication about the states that are losing population. Some of the biggest states, of course, New York is losing a ton of population. People want to leave Washington, Chicago, Illinois area. My gosh, you know, no wonder people want to leave. And where are these people going to go that want to leave? They're going to come probably to some of the rural communities. I'm wondering if the same thing, Sherry, is going on with businesses. Are the businesses fleeing those areas? I would imagine, right? If they got less people living there, why would you want to be headquartered there? That insurance rates, employees, safety, all those things impact a business owner and where they want to invest their time and energy. I mean, you look at some of these communities and the looting and the destruction and you wonder why would I want to rebuild my restaurant there? Why would I have my little grocery store there? Why would I want to have my dress shop if every time I come in and clean up within a few hours or days they've done it again? Yeah. So it <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense and you know opportunity is everywhere and we've been really busy because you find that people that our position to take advantage of opportunity when it comes to the business world, they're, they're rolling. So it's very exciting to see in that regard. I have a friend, Sherry Hill, in Philadelphia. His name is Phil Falcone. He's one of the top real estate professionals there. He's known as Philly Phil. And Philly Phil does a lot of communicating with me and we keep contacting the trades and also on the social media about home prices, home, diff home prices, you know, compared to Reno. Median home price in Reno for a three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage, existing home, somewhere about $435,000. An amazing difference. If you go to Arkansas, same thing. There are places across the country where home prices are a bargain compared to what they are here in Reno. And I'm sure the same is the case when you compare some of these areas with mm -hmm. Seattle and Los Angeles and San Francisco, some of the higher price markets, I would contend that a lot of people will be moving to the rural areas, to the country, well, if you will. Let's hope they go to Elko and Ely, right? Elko and Ely. <laughs> let's push them out. Well, you know. Story, I, lion. Yeah. Well, in fact, you know, I'm encouraging people that are looking to leave California to contact my buddy, Phil Falcone. Yes. What a great place to go. You said Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, well, that whole East Coast, the home prices are coming down. And I think a big part of that reason is because people are leaving the area. Well, they have to. They have to be safe and secure. And as our uh, fabulous sheriff here indicated, that you know that's a decision driver as to where you want to live. And one of the things I find fascinating about Washoe County, which you're responsible for, is it goes way up to the top. We were just up in Cedarville. Mm -hmm. which is like right there next to the line. I mean, how on earth do you even patrol up there? <laughs> so for that one, I have actually two resident deputies in Gerlach. Ah, yes. And so their whole responsibility is all of northern Washoe. 
So about once or twice a week, they'll do the big, what we call the loop, and they'll go all the way up through Cedarville, hit the Oregon border, and come back down. Uh, so I have two resident deputies that patrol that whole area of the Gerlach in northern Washoe. That's a great place for people to go live out there. There's a lot of space. <laughs> you want to move out there, Sherry Hill? <laughs> I wouldn't mind Surprise Valley. It was pretty beautiful out there. Well, you know, it just goes to show how large and diverse our county is, our state is, the whole West. I mean, it is big and open and wide. And, you know, you have that sense of freedom. And freedom is not only something that you read about and understand from a, a psychological perspective, but it's also being able to look at these wide open spaces. That area, you can see in the horizon forever. It was some of the most beautiful area we've ever seen. Sheriff, we crossed the line at Surprise Valley right back into Washoe County. And it's just unbelievable how the terrain changes from absolute desert to alkali, dry lake, and then beautiful lush green. I mean, in a matter of just a few miles, it's an amazing thing to see. How are you guys doing since, you know, Burning Man isn't going to happen? For Washoe, our biggest impact is just everybody coming to our airports and hitting our, our businesses, stocking up before they go through. Uh, the town of Gerlach, that is probably one of, that is their biggest moneymaker because they have buses that'll come from the Burning Man site into town every day, several times a day. Uh, Bruno's restaurants, the only restaurant, so they'll hit Bruno's, the one gas station. So that's gonna have a huge impact on the town of Gerlach. Mm -hmm. um, there is an unofficial uh, event that during Burning Man that'll occur this time, uh, which is gonna be another impact and strain on both us and um, Pershing because they're predicting about 20,000-ish individuals that are going to go out uh, but unlike in previous Bergman events there isn't going to be medical out there there's not going to be any restrooms there won't be any supplies so it's going to be when Burning Man first started and you had a few thousand going out so uh, typically when we have Burning Man events um, one it's the boom for our our uh, economy as they come through and go out there it's a boom for Gerlach uh, so we're not going to have that and then we're also going to have we may have some loading up as they go through but the impact is we get reimbursed from Burning Man for our additional personnel because we usually, on the Washoe side, although the VIN is in Pershing, uh, we'll send about seven to eight additional just to handle the traffic load in the town of Gerlach. We get reimbursed from that. This year we will not. Uh, and so we're measuring with Pershing County and with BLM of how many resources and assets do we have out there. And our concern is now you won't have um, whatever medical provider they usually contract with in the Sandy Huts. And we always, during that event, um, some people get lost because they either try to sneak in or they want to go out on the, to the playa further or they just want to go hiking. And so are we going to have resources out there for those people that you know, won't have any of that supply? So if they partake in any, any activities, doesn't have to be illegal or not, out there with the heat, um, how are we going to get resources out? Yeah, you, you hope that these are seasoned burners that are actually going out there and understand how to uh, live and play on the playa Absolutely. <laughs> safely and uh, not just those that decided, hey, let's go out there for a weekend and don't understand that you, you know, it's survival camping, so. Sheriff yeah. Balaam, what is this event called, you know, that's going to be happening, uh, if it's not burn? It's just uh, unofficial. The unofficial, kind of a, unofficial get yeah. together. the non-burn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the non-burn, I like that, very good. Yeah. My name is Peter Padilla, I'm in the studio at Nevada Real Estate Radio with Sherry Hill from Sage International. Also with us today, Washoe County Sheriff Darren Balaam, We'll have more on real estate, public safety, and all of the good things about living in northern Nevada, and more after this. Hello, I'm Brian Cushing, Senior Loan Officer at Guild Mortgage. Join me and the rest of the Nevada Real Estate Radio team right here on 1180 AM Radio. I love talking about my specialty, the mortgage world, and how we help families in northern Nevada accomplish their dreams of home ownership. Make sure you totally understand before you sign on the dotted line. Tune in to Nevada Real Estate Radio, Thursday, 3 p.m. on 1180 AM Radio. Nevada Real Estate Radio. Guild Mortgage Company is an equal housing lender. Company NMLS number 3274. NV Banker number 1076. NV Broker number 1141. Brian Cushing NMLS number 303045. Telephone number 775-453-0345. Located in 6990 South McCarran Boulevard, Suite 200. Reno, Nevada 89509. All loans subject to underwriter approval. Terms and conditions may apply. Subject to change without notice. 
Your Nevada Real Estate Questions with answers from Peter Padilla. We're back on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Two great guests that I have with me in the studio today. Sheriff Darren Balaam is with us. Sherry Hill from Sage International. I want to talk about a couple of things. First is, you know, we're all experiencing COVID and all the things going on. And you hear about all these communities that are releasing felons out because they're afraid of COVID. Let's talk about how is that affecting our Washoe County jail system? So for us, uh, I am proud to say that uh, as of today, we have not had a single case of COVID uh, exposure um, within the jail to date of somebody contracting it, not exposure, but to contract it. Uh, We've had several people come in who have had COVID. We've isolated them. We've taken the precautions with our medical provider and our uh, deputy sheriffs so that they didn't spread it throughout the inmates. And so, you know, they've been working hard, the employees up there, the medical provider, in screening and making sure when somebody does come in with it, we isolate them. So we have not had any exposure, but we've taken a lot of precautions. Uh, Some of the things we've done is when uh, anybody comes in, before they even get out of the patrol car, our medical staff goes out, we screen them, we take their temperature. If they're showing any signs, we mask everybody up. Uh, And then when they come in, right now, thank goodness, we have enough room in our facility because our count's a little low, um, is everybody's isolated. So if we were all arrested on the same day, we are segregated into one area and we come out for seven days at the same time for tier time for eating. And then after that seven days, if we show no signs and symptoms, we are sent into what we call our general population. If we do, then we we test you and we've tested multiple inmates and we keep you isolated even longer. Uh, And then as this has progressed, and again, because of our county, unfortunately, still being in the red and having a high exposure rate, uh, now anytime inmates move throughout our facility, they have to wear a mask. So we've implemented the mask. Um, you know, the one thing though, though we are fighting is, are fighting is we've had to go to court several times and we've had inmates try to say, well, I have a autoimmune disease or, or issue and I need to be released. Uh, and once we show the judges every precaution that we've taken, uh, I'm proud to say again that we've kept those individuals in. They don't mm-hmm. need to be released. They're there for a reason. Uh, so we haven't had to release any people because of COVID yet. Um, that not to say that that may down the road, but again, I think with the precautions that we've taken, uh, the safety of both employees and the inmates are our number one priority. And so, uh, those are some of the things we've changed and we anticipate they'll probably be around for a long time. You know, the one thing I think a lot of people don't realize though, yes, COVID is new, um, but we have to isolate and quarantine because of influenza. So right before COVID hit in about November of last year, we had to shut a whole housing unit down because we had an outbreak of the influenza. So this isn't something new. Some of the steps we've implemented are new, but as far as isolating and cleaning and, and making sure that facility is safe as possible for the inmates and the staff, we've always done that. So those are some well, of the steps we've taken. So I would think the big message is if you're concerned about uh, getting COVID in jail, don't end up in jail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, amazingly, when you talk to some people, uh, and unfortunately, again, if we we break it down, those that may be living on the street or whatever, a lot of times they'll say right now the best place to be is in jail. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Because it's safer with exposure. So um, they've done a great job. So you, you said something that was interesting. You said your numbers are down. And so let's kind of talk about that because as a community, and we'll bring Peter into this side, we were talking about the, you know, real estate and, you know, people make decisions on, you know, why would I relocate to Reno or Northern Nevada or even Nevada, period? And one of those big decisions is how safe is our community? So is it just COVID because people are locked in their homes or... Why do you think the numbers are down? And, and which numbers are down? So what, what numbers are down are, are low-level crimes, our misdemeanors. So when COVID broke out, what we asked all the agencies since we book, everybody arrested in Washoe County comes to our facility. We asked them uh, typically if, let's say you showed up at a simple battery uh, where you may, before COVID, make an arrest, we're asking them to cite uh, and do citations and put them through the court system that way. Uh, so if they don't have to um, arrest them, Cite, cite them or give them a verbal warning. So we've asked for a lot more discretion on our low level, which uh, law enforcement has. So again, if you're on a traffic citation, say somebody's 
uh, driving recklessly where you may arrest them before, maybe you give them a citation this time. So that what we have in our facility, and it's increased by 5% this year compared to last, is our felons. So those individuals are violent crimes. We're still housing them. They're still being arrested. But your low-level crimes now, we're using more discretion than all agencies have, and that's why our numbers have dipped. But they're now they're creeping back up. We're at 850 today. Uh, typically, take out COVID, we'd be about 1,100. Um, and so that's where we're at right now. Are you finding, you know, it's just great news for our community that the Eddie House finally has, you know, overnight shelter for youth. Are you finding that that is also impacting your numbers, that we're getting these young people off the streets at night because they have an overnight shelter? I would say absolutely that. And last year, uh, as you remember when I was on the show before, I talked about that soft handoff or warm handoff. And so we started a thing called the Detention Services Unit, where now when somebody comes in for those low-level crimes, we'll work with the Eddie House, we'll work with Hopes, we'll work with Awaken, a lot of the nonprofits, and try to find them a bed. And then we'll have a plan in place before they get released. So when they get released, we'll actually now go to court, our deputies. The courts and judges know it. And we'll say, inmate A, we have a bed for him at this facility. And we'll actually... Um, if you remember, I would say before, we'd just give you a bus pass if you had no money and say, good luck, make it down to Eddie House. Now, we'll transport you down there. And so since we stood that up last April, the expansion of Eddie House and a lot of other nonprofit serv- or providers in the area, um, our average daily population was reduced by 100 inmates per day. Nice. Um, which is a huge soft dollar savings for this. <laughs> but I think what it shows is when you collaborate with our service providers, the community, and law enforcement, uh, those individuals that are creating low-level crimes, you know, the jaywalking, the urinating in public, those type of crimes that typically would be arrested, sent to our jail. Now, if we hook them up with providers and we're bringing the services in our jail before, so we have walkabouts now. So Eddie House will actually come into a facility. We'll have them go into a housing unit. They'll explain exactly what the Eddie House is, what services they can do, and then we're having a tablet program, pilot program in our jail now. So all of those forms are in there. The inmates can check out a tablet and they can start signing up for them and they can find services and then our DSU will will assist. They'll uh, assess all the inmates coming in of who they can help and then work with the courts in that. Collaboration with the expansion is exactly why I believe that, you know, our numbers are going down uh, for low level. Unfortunately, our, our violent crimes, you know, those people in our facility, but that's what the facility is meant for is those exactly. violent crimes. Let's get them off the street. Right. Some of the things that go through my head and uh, some of the questions I get asked in these days Sheriff Benham are regarding the masks. So I'm not a mask guy. Some people are mask people. They feel they have to wear them or they, for whatever reason. Me personally, it doesn't really matter. But I've always felt like if pre-COVID, if somebody walks into a convenience store wearing a mask, a couple of guys wearing masks, and you're working there, you know right away that you're probably going to get some trouble. Same thing in a bank. In today's environment, a lot of people are walking into banks with masks on, convenience store with masks on. Is this impacting the actual crime issue? Are is there more crimes, less crimes? What's it like out there? And can you the find mask? the people committing the crimes because well, you, know, you can't see their face? I recognize the mask. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, when it comes to masks, we have not seen an increase because of mask wearing. Okay. Um, where, you know, they didn't identify because they came in and wrote. Because, again, banks, if you talk to the bank managers, they're taking a lot of precautions just for that reason. So they'll only let a certain amount of people in at a mm-hmm. time. Um, again, social distancing and all that. Right. Uh, but what I can tell you, not mass, is we've monitored. And the first month, it was kind of interesting watching both our crime stats and when it came to suicides. Um, the first two months, when so March and April, mm-hmm. our crime dropped. Yeah. Because everybody was locked down. We were stay at home. Um, and I think we saw a, a huge de- decrease in suicides in our jail as far as either what we call intervention. So you come in, you say you're suicidal, um, you come up to the deputy, say you're, you know, I want to hurt myself, or you actually try it. We saw those dramatically drop off. And what I think that was is everybody was worried about COVID. What is COVID? How do I protect myself? So they, the thoughts or everything, it preoccupied, so they weren't suicidal. Now, after we've been in it for six months, uh, what we're seeing is crime in the community has risen to the same level it was before COVID. So our crime levels are the same as they were in January. Uh-huh. 
Um, so we, mm. we, we had this dip the first couple months. Now, as everybody's starting to open up again, mm -hmm. I think people are coming more comfortable. They're going up, but I don't see as far as the mass, uh, an increase because of mass and I can hide. Mm -hmm. um, but we are seeing now crimes are starting to, and suicides, they're back up again. Interesting, um, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, Sherry, that the, you know, I read about the real estate market, it's come back strong. The stock market has come back strong. Well, the crime market is coming back strong. The economy must be in good shape is all I can figure. <laughs> One more question, Sheriff Bailey. How about the homeless situation along the river? I heard there was some effort and maybe some success recently in cleaning some things up within the city limits. Once we go beyond the city limits, is that an area of patrol for the Washoe County Sheriff's? It is, so last year um, in Sparks, in East Sparks, right along the river, right by um, the businesses along, right before by Vista off-ramp. Yeah. It was called End of World Camp. There was a sh big, big shack there, right? Big shack, and there was about 15 people uh -huh. that, had, that had been pushed from the cities to there. Right. And so uh, before, we had never really engaged in a lot of this over the history. Sometimes we would do river sweeps, the sheriff's office, and go clean the river. Uh, but we coordinated, we worked with Reno, and because they are involved a lot on a daily basis, and so we brought services out last year. We brought BLM because it's BLM property that they were on. That would be Bureau of Land Management. Bure sorry, sorry, yep, Bureau of Land Management. And we actually went out three times. The first uh -huh. time we told them, hey, you can't camp here. Offered them services, said we'd be back. Came back again with the service providers, offered them services and said, we'll be back in a week. And you know, we're gonna evict you off this land. And then we came back again and we cleaned that whole area up. And then BLM, uh, this summer, I believe they're still, but again, COVID has kind of thrown a, a wrench in it. Mm -hmm. They were gonna put some um, riprap rock mm -hmm. along the riverbanks. I, in this year's budget, was funded two deputies and a sergeant to deal just with the homeless. Um, I won't have those bodies online until probably around January. Sparks, if you saw, it just started, I believe it's the Hope team, and Reno has a team. So the idea is, once I have my bodies, to, we've been talking with the two chiefs, uh, for the entire river, because what happens is if Reno does a sweep, they get pushed to Sparks. Sparks right. does a sweep, they'll go to the county. Exactly. So when we all have our teams, kind of like some of our other regional teams we realigned earlier this year, we'll realign, and I don't know what we would call it, but their regional homeless outreach team so that we don't just push them from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And what we've seen over the last year and a half is as they've been hitting the river, now in the back of some of the unincorporated areas, um, Sun Valley is an example. If you go back in the northern end of Sun Valley by the middle school, mm -hmm. I have 10 to 15 camps back there now. And if you talk to them, they've been pushed to those areas. So yeah. hopefully this regional team, that's what we're gonna try to do. Hmm. One man's opinion, I think a lot of that homeless, if not 99% of it, it's drug related. And it's, a, it's, it's some kind of uh, mental issue related. And uh, to just think that these are just regular people wanting to be homeless, it's really people that absolutely need much more help than where they're living. And I think these people should all be, lack of a better term, rounded up, give them some facilities, and let them live like human beings, good citizens of Washoe County. One, two, three, four. The Four Kids Foundation's fourth annual golf tournament, Friday, September 18th at the exciting Wolf Run Golf Course in Reno. Sponsor, participate, and support. Get all the details and register at fourkidsfoundation.org or call 775-741-5231. Save the date for the Four Kids Foundation's fourth annual golf tournament, Friday, September 18th at Wolf Run Golf Course. We're back on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Two great guests that I have with me in the studio today. Sheriff Darren Balaam is with us. Sherry Hill from Sage International. During the special session, AB3, you know, across the country, everybody wants to defund the police. Let's talk about how did that affect your office? So, you know, the whole movement, AB3, uh, instituted several things. And for the most part, I will tell you, our agency, we had a lot of it already implemented. Um, so it, it banned chokeholds. Sheriff's Office, we don't use chokeholds. Only time we will use a chokehold is what we call an exceptional use of force. So if I'm in a fight uh, for life or death with my life, uh, and that's all I have, that's when we could use it. So uh, with the banning in the new AB3 of, you know, you can't use chokeholds or put your knee on somebody, again, we never train that. So for us, this was something that's not new. Uh, we can only use it if deadly force was justified. So uh, that's one thing. The, the other thing uh, was a redefinition of our deadly use of force policy of, of how we apply deadly force. And again, we, uh, and I, I'll say in this whole community, but at the sheriff's office, 
we already had that implemented and every single year we've been training on that um and we're not perfect and we're going to make some errors here and there but when it comes to deadly force that's something we we have to put a lot of training in because you're talking about this person's life if you make an error uh, and then the other one was intervention uh, or tap out and again we actually have had this in our policy and this year's training which was developed back in october of last year we have a scenario that we've been training where we have uh, deputies come in. The scenario is we have an, a, an officer or a deputy uh, wrestling with somebody and their knees on a person's neck. This was done before even George Floyd's incident occurred. And we are seeing if our deputies are going to come in and recognize that this deputy is using excessive force and intervene and tell them to get out. If they don't, then we put them through remediation. We discuss what did you see? What were you focused on? Because we put some items in there so if they come into a situation, it's not totally obvious to them because we want them to assess. Um, so we already had that in place. Uh, the policies of eight can't wait, which some of our reform came from, every one of those policies we had already in. Um, reporting somebody that has excessive use of force. We have our internal affairs. We expect our people to report if they see an excessive use of force. Um, so uh, we had that the data, which was not part of the AB3, uh, uh, we will hopefully, fingers crossed, in the next month, we will have on our webpage, we're rebuilding it with the county right now, it will have all of our arrests, our citations, our use of forces. We'll break them down by race. We'll break it down by race of deputies applying that. We'll break uh, our use of forces down by what type of force. So we're going to have all that out there. Now, they didn't have that in AB3, but what they did have is by November 1st, we have to report back to the Legislative Council Bureau uh, what systems we use to identify your driver's license. Uh, and that is usually, and we're, we're still trying to figure it out what systems, but that's what we call our Brazos. That's if you get a ticket, the little computer we use to identify you and write your ticket, that, that system identifies your driver's license. Uh, the other is um, uh, our, what we call J-Link, and J-Link is our, our computer-aided dispatch system, and that's where if I run you and I, uh, our dispatcher will put your name in there, that's how, again, we'll get your driver's license, and I can query that. Uh, we have to report that back to the what we call the LCB, Legislative Council Bureau, by November, and then we'll see what comes in February. We know there may be more changes coming uh, when it comes to officer-involved shootings. Uh, you know, our community, and what I've told people is we're a community protector, community listener, and they've said since George Floyd, and even before, we want the videos of officer-involved shootings released in a much more timely fashion. Washoe, Reno, and Sparks all responded to that. We heard, and we put that out before there was even a law implemented. I think that's why you didn't see that in AB3, is we communicated with our uh, assembly and Senate representatives uh, throughout the state because down in the southern part of the state, they do release those within 14 days. Uh, so all of our policies are within 14 to 30 days up here, and as you've seen in the last two officer-involved shootings, they've released those those videos in a timely fashion. I think that's helped the community. That builds that trust and that transparency. Thank you for being here today to kind of share your messages out there that, you know, you guys are here to help us and protect us and make this a wonderful community. How blessed we are that we aren't in these big urban cities where there's a lot of crime and stuff going on. Now, I know as a citizen, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know that's going on. Is that a good thing? <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> I'm looking at the Washoe County Sheriff's website right now, and uh, it's nice to see that it's really accessible to myself, to the community. One of the things I noticed when I went there first, Sheriff Balaam, is that you have uh, job opportunities at the Washoe County Sheriff's Office. I'd like to know a little bit about that. Although the Washoe County as a whole is in a hiring freeze, uh, we've been allowed because law enforcement so important. Uh, we are hiring deputy sheriffs. Uh -huh. uh, so we just started an academy a month ago. Yeah, uh, We have 13 new deputy sheriffs in there. And uh, in January, we'll be hiring at least, hopefully, another 20 uh, deputy sheriffs. So if you're interested, you know, you can apply there. Some of the good things we've done is you actually, now if you can't come make the test, we test throughout the entire year. And you can actually either pay to take the test or we have laptops, we can come to you. Sheriff Balaam, I believe we have a call here coming in to Wonderful. our radio show. Let's see what's going on. From our phone-in line, Erica Lamb is with us, and Erica is the president of the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. Erica, welcome to our radio show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. We had the pleasure of having Sheriff Darren Balaam with us in the studio, along with Sherry Hill. Erica, so what question do you have? Oh, thank you. Sheriff Balaam, 
A question that we have is we want to know whether or not there is an uptick in vacant property vandalism or um, uh, since the COVID stay at home was initiated back in March. So uh, what, what I can tell you there uh, without having the numbers right in front of me is we did see a downtick, but what we did see, and I'd have to look and I can get back to you, is we did see an increase in just overall commercial burglaries because uh, commercial you know, properties were down as well as residential burglaries. Um, but if knowing if they were vacant, uh, I can tell you uh, as of two weeks ago, there is a trend in uh, the Sparks area where individuals have come and actually it's it's in my neighborhood uh, we've found some people that have identified properties that obviously we, we believe they've been watching and know that the homeowners aren't there they're vacant and they've either had a party at one of them uh, and another one we think they've just been squatting at so i can tell you at least in sparks over the last two weeks uh, our regional teams are looking into now that we have seen an uptick at least in sparks of either having uh, parties or they're squatting in some of those vacant ones uh, that they know that there's no homeowner there while they're, you know, the for sale signs out front. Yeah, I think I saw something like that within our realtor community. Um, there's a particular neighborhood where, um, uh, I guess, I guess you call them squatters are breaking in just to have parties and, um, and, they're, and they're breaking into um, houses that are listed for sale on the market. Um, well, then that leads into my next question. Are you seeing an uptick in, in squatters um, in general? So uh, in residential homes, I would say yes. we're, we're seeing, and again, w without having the numbers and breaking down all those residential burglaries, I don't know if it's an extreme uptick. I, I think you have a group like we've identified in Sparks and, and like at the one that was actually right down my street, how we noticed something was going on because we know the homeowner there in California uh, is that the sign disappeared. And so they actually uh, were brazen enough to actually pull the for sale sign down and that kind of uh, caught our attention. So we called the realtor and then the realtor came out and sure enough, they had uh, it's a daylight basement. So they had broken in through the downstairs. So I, I think there is a little bit of an uptick. Uh, one that's, you know, very obvious. I could. I. I have not seen that, but I know that that is occurring. Erica Lamb, okay. let me ask you a question. In the property management world, are you seeing an uptick in the squatting situation? Are you having to uh, deal with more issues like that yourself? We are not having any issues with any squatters, thankfully. However, um, we are noticing that there is a high volume of rental scams that are taking place. Mm. And and how that happens is a, uh, a scammer, typically from out of the area, will go and take the pictures from a sale listing or from normally, most often, from a property management rental listing, and then they'll list that property for rent either on Facebook or Craigslist for a significantly lower mm -hmm. price then they will make arrangements to gain access to that home via the, the um, property manager or licensed real estate agent. Um, typically, this happens with um, self-showing homes. And because of COVID, very few homes are actually being shown by a real estate agent due to social distancing. So they're taking advantage of the social distancing and the vacant self-showing and they are granting access to uh, the scammers are then getting access for a consumer to go look at the property. And then after the consumer looks at the property, they then have them wire funds to them, Western Union or some other kind of way, um, and then tell them, okay, you can go pick up the keys to your house on this day. Um, and then typically that person finds out after they have wired the funds that they have been scammed. And unfortunately, some cases it actually goes through and a person um, grant, gets the keys and moves in and then has to go through an eviction process because they didn't have a legitimate lease. Um, but um, in our office, what we have been doing is verifying identity with every single 
potential showing by getting their credit card information, their driver's license, and personally talking to them, which if you have hundreds of people wanting to see properties, it's very challenging to go through all of those steps. But that's the only way that we can verify that this isn't a scammer trying to grant access to a consumer. Uh, that's an incredible point you bring up there. White-collar crime, Sheriff, that's what this is. It, absolutely, and those are the difficult ones. And what I would say is, Erica, afterwards, because I, I haven't heard of this, is we would love to get with you to put something out uh, through all of our channels with you in collaboration to let people know. Um, because when they wire, it's like any of our other white-collar fraud that's going on when you call and, hey, you have a warrant, send us $500, or, hey, IRS owes you. Send once you wire that money, now these, obviously, they're here, um, but it's hard to track them down because, again, their identity, you know, is only a description, and, and if they didn't get a good picture, how do we find them? Um, yeah. Erica, I think this might make for a great public service announcement from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. I'm not sure if you've talked to anybody there about um, doing something like that, but this is a message we really should be broadcasting in many ways to the general populace. I completely agree. Um, this has been an ongoing issue for many years, but it's extremely, the activity is a lot higher right now during COVID. We normally notice it the most during the December months when houses sit on the market a little bit longer. Um, but this year it's been extremely, with the stay at home orders and so many homes being on self showing lock boxes, it's definitely an issue that we're coming across. And it's not just here locally, it's, it's across the nation. I know three other brokers who have already had um, poor consumers get scammed, take possession of the property, and then have to go through the eviction process, unfortunately, which is it's not fair to the consumer. It's, it's not fair uh, to the homeowner. And if it's something that could be stopped in advance, just getting the information out there to the public is the very important part because not people realize that you should not be wiring funds. And I have noticed that the people who typically fall into those traps are people who are from out of the area or have challenging English. So it's also a message that should be carried out in other languages to consumers, not just in English. Look forward to talking with you about perhaps putting something together that the that will get the right message out in multiple languages to all the people that need to have that message. Really appreciate you calling our radio show today. Oh, it was a joy. Thank you for having me, and um, uh, look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Yeah, next time I hope it's right here in the studio and you can join us in person. I would love that. Well, have a great day. Thank you. Erica Lamb, okay. president of the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. Glad she called us today. We're still in business and the sun keeps on shining. SunTech Solar Screening makes your home cooler, more comfortable, and energy efficient. Sliding screen door need a tune-up? Call SunTech. Ask about SunTech pet screens. Life is good with SunTech's fast service and no interest financing. Discounts available upon request. Call 224-5093 for a free estimate. 224-5093 or visit SunTechSolarScreens.com. We're still in business and the sun keeps on shining. SunTech Solar Screens. Natakwa. Natakwa News, the original, entertaining, informative, and historic publication. Natakwa News is a community newspaper with good news, history, travel, and fun. Natakwa News is delivered to the north slopes of the Sierra Nevada throughout Nevada and California. It's a delightful experience of yesteryear. The articles are outstanding, and the illustrations bring the stories to life. Fun for all ages. Natakwa News. Pick up your copy today. Natakwa. I love Sherry Hill, and you will too after you listen to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Sherry Hill is known as the wealth protection diva because she knows the world of business like no one else. Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, recommended her book, Incorporate and Get Rich. And to this day, the phone keeps on ringing from people that want more success from their business. Tune in every Monday to the Sherry Hill Radio Show, 1130 a.m. right here on 1180 a.m. radio. The Sherry Hill Show, Mondays, 1130 a.m. The best thing you can do for your business, Nevada Real Estate Radio. 
Here is your host, Peter Padilla. We're back on Nevada Real Estate Radio. What a great day to tune into our show today. Sherry Hill is with us in the studio. We're talking about businesses and how businesses run during oh, all the crazy actions that have been going on in the first part of 2020. Also with us in the studio, Sheriff Darren Balaam. We're talking about safety, community safety, real estate safety, white collar safety, you know, like uh, title escrow, all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so many things that can happen there. Uh, it was just amazing to hear from Erica Lamb, president of the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors, uh, some of these scams that are going on in the world of real estate. Uh, I guess no matter what, uh, nefarious never rests. Sheriff Balaam, I'm so glad you're with us today because I think people know this. I'm not a pet guy. I, I barely can take care of myself. How can I take care of a pet, right? But I know pets are important to people, but I got to tell you that the animals that I absolutely love are police dogs. Absolutely. So we have a canine unit, and I will just say one word. They're extraordinary. Mm. Um, watching those dogs work, um, that's what they live, and that's their drive. Yeah. And, and watching them go out, whether and for the sheriff's office, a lot of people think, you know, police dogs, they're vicious, they're violent, they're just going to bite you. Ours are trained to be very friendly. So we can take, and we just got a brand new dog. In fact, unfortunately, one of our dogs right now has a medical issue where it's probably not going to live more than another month, so we're going to replace it. Um, but that dog still can fully function, and watching when their handler gets dressed, mm -hmm. those dogs know it's time to go to work. When they get in their patrol cars out in the driveway when they retire, it's sad. You talk to these handlers, and the dogs will destroy their homes because they know they want to go out, and they, they're pouting. They're mad. Mm -hmm. um, so we have right now six because we had to retire, and I had some promotions. We have six. We go up to eight canines. We have some on patrol. So every day they're out on patrol. They can go throughout the entire region. So both Reno and Sparks will help each other. They have canines. Yeah. And then we have several of them that are signed to what we call our high-intensity drug trafficking or HIDA unit. Mm -hmm. So when you see on the freeway, Washington County Sheriff's car sitting on the freeway, especially out by Lockwood or over by um, Bordertown, yeah. um, those are our interdiction teams. And those dogs and handlers are trained to look for illicit drugs or proceeds coming uh, flowing east and west. And uh, that HIDA team throughout the entire state, because we are designated as a HIDA or a high intensity because of I-80 mm -hmm. and 395 running mm -hmm. right through our cities. Yeah. So it's a main flow of money comes from the east coast to the west to buy the drugs. Drugs go from the west to the east back. Mm -hmm. uh, last year alone, we seized well over several million dollars in proceeds and then multiple tons of illicit drugs going and again, when you watch these dogs, uh, one example was it was it was a truck with a, a aluminum fishing boat on the roof. Mm -hmm. That dog still from the ground could smell the illicit drugs that were hidden up in the hole of this aluminum fishing boat in the in the benches. Yeah, it could still smell it several feet above it. Wow. Um, you know, again, watching them, they're tracking. So we have tracking dogs. Mm -hmm. So not only are they trained for uh, smelling illicit drugs, but they're also trained in tracking. Missing persons. Missing persons, yeah. article mm -hmm. searches. So you can, again, rub a, a, a coin, yeah. uh, a wallet, a firearm, uh -huh. throw it out, and those dogs will go track uh, those scents or items or articles. Uh, and then, of course, they are trained if they need to be deployed, uh, if, and if needed, they can bite. So they, they are trained to bite. Uh, but, again, we can take those same dogs right after a bite. We can walk them into a elementary school kindergarten class, and they will socialize when the handler tells them to socialize with those kids. Let them pet them, you know, not really jump on them, but they can get right up into those dogs' face uh, because that's the way they're trained. You know, I know that police dogs, Sheriff, are used to intervene in situations, to detect, and to help uh, a higher level of protection. But what you just said there about taking the dogs, the police dogs, to the schools, to me, that could be one of the most important things that the police dogs do, is they're your public relations team that create a sense of friendliness between young kids and the sheriff's department. But what a great ambassador program you have. Oh, it's, it's, they're the hit. I mean, if, if I could tell you anything that people request the most, it's dogs. And even if it's somebody that may be ill, yeah, you bring that dog in and, and, and just the joy you can see of, of somebody who may be, you know, either in hospice or something. Yeah. Again, they're not, they're not like um, the dogs mm -hmm. you see in the hospital, but they can yeah. still go, but they're the great ambassadors. Having a great community not only means having a great sheriff's department, but great people in the community 
that support the sheriff's department. If something could be done, if the people of Washington County could do something to help you, Sheriff Balaam, what might that be? We're always looking for new equipment, and when I say equipment, some people might say, oh, that's military equipment. No, it's, it's equipment to keep our men and women safe uh, and helping us do some of that. It's looking for uh, training opportunities and, and helping us again. Sadly enough, with my 731 employees, my training budget, and 432 of them are what I call commissioned or deputy sheriffs. The rest are civilians. I have 95,000 to train 432 deputy sheriffs mm. in, you know, deadly force, range, evoc driving, which is our, you know, fast driving, uh, weaponless defense, uh, cultural diversity, implicit bias, you name it. All that, I have 95,000 to train them in that and any other new thing. So for the community, I would say um, ways to help support. We're short-staffed, but that's like everywhere else, you know, defunding the police. Uh, you know, I don't think people realize what that means. If you take money away, there's not much money I can play with. Out of my $126 million budget, I control only about $4 million of that. Mm -hmm. The rest is in contracts, in salaries and benefits. So I lose that money my human sex trafficking unit, my victim's advocate unit, all of those specialized units that make a difference in our community go away and the safety of our community goes away. Uh, so as we move forward, it's not about taking money from law enforcement because that'll impact the safety, which will impact real estate. It's about how do we collaborate with the community mm -hmm. service providers uh, to build centers like Crisis Now. Um, you know, money's tight for everybody, but how do we work together to leverage everything we have to make that difference. Sheriff Balaam, I've always got more questions and I have time. I'd love to have you come back to our show. Hope you do that sometime. I would love to. Thank you. We're going to get your book real quick. Sherry Hill from Sage International. Thanks for being with us today. Well, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's good important viewpoint. to uh, show our support and thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. I encourage our listeners to tune in again next week, same time, same station, and hope you'll get some great information on real estate for you and your family too. Until then, goodbye everybody. Goodbye. 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 You have been listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. We value your listenership and appreciate your feedback. Want to talk with Peter? Send an email to peter at nevadarealestateradio.com. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com.